This episode of Of The Earth is part two of a two-part conversation we had with producer and director Violet Fung, who sat down with us to talk about her award-winning film, Hidden Letters. Another facet of the film that really struck us is this clash between public and private. You know, there's there's one tomb in particular that I was thinking about as I watched this film, and it's the tomb of an ancient Han Dynasty woman who was excavated at Mawangdui in Hunan province, so dated to around 168 BCE. And when her tomb was discovered, it was in perfect condition. Her body was well-preserved, wrapped in 20 layers of silks, all of that material has been removed from the tomb and is now in the Hunan Provincial Museum. And how often do we get to hear or learn about the stories of ancient women, right? Typically in the ancient world, it's the story of men. And, you know, she had her her own belief system. She believed in immortality, that she would go on in the afterlife. Should her tomb have been excavated? If the tomb had never been excavated, we wouldn't know about her without all of that information. And, and I saw a similarity with Nushu to, you know, what we see in archaeology is Nushu was this secret, right, that was hidden in this regional culture in China from hundreds of years ago. So I'm just wondering, you know, how do you feel about that dichotomy between the, the private nature of Nushu versus how it's, you know, now become more public? I think that Nushu is such a complex thing that it has a very private element to it it also has somewhat of a public element to it even during the old days in a way that the public part is more to outwardly share their voices in a certain way so Mm -hmm. Yushu has the letters but it also has the songs and the songs was supposed to be taught um, even to young girls when they're very little by their moms and and grandmas and all the women in those villages are able to sing these songs and and to me that's like you know the song of what Hu Xin learned when she was a little girl about how she's a genius of her own even though she's a three-year-old girl said something about implanting those seeds on young girls of giving them their own identity and their own sense of being and that's very special and that's very you know precious in is particular in those days and Yushu also has some, I think, intentionally being more public component in the custom, for example, that when when a young girl was able to find their um tong, which is their swan sister arranged by their parents when they're in the young age, they had, you know, the, the family, the two families were organized sort of like a wedding ceremony so that they can exchange vows. And that's a, a pretty public event, you know, and also for uh, after, you know, this young girl start, you know, these relationships with the other girls um, through this vowed sisterhood that they vow to support and lift each other up throughout their lifetime and spending a lot of times in the chamber room learning usual and talking about their own stories and then growing up together. Uh, by the time one of these girls uh, are about to get married by arranged marriage, all of her swan sisters will come together in her home and then sing for three days. And that's also like 
kind of public, like all the villages, you know, like a lot of girls will come together. And the bride's wedding gift is is actually a biography book written by her swan sisters in a time when no woman in China have left, you know, record like that or have biography book there. Every woman has a biography book. And this, remember, is the most secluded and the poor area of China. And, you know, despite of their uh, socioeconomic background, every one of those women has at least a biography book. And these biography book will be received by the bride. And then the more biography book you receive, the more that the bride will be treated by your future husband's family. So uh, after she was married off, oftentimes to a faraway village, to her future husband's family on the third day after the wedding, all the women in that village will come together and publicly chanting these biography book written about this woman. And instantly they will feel the connection about themselves and take her in as their new sister. So it's a very intentional kind of structure of sisterhood. And that sisterhood is a very public statement. And in the film, you know, in terms of the very private letters um, that one woman wrote to another, we decided not to use those, but we decided to use the songs that in these songs that they really are making a statement about their sufferings, about, you know, who they want to be and, and all those things. And I find it that embeds kind of like the message of what they want Yushu to be passed down. And also another interesting thing is that there's another component of Yushu that's kind of more publicly circulated among all the women instead of privately shared between each other is the fairy tales stories you know like the chinese classic literature fairy tale stories in the chinese literature were often written in a way that's more focused on the men but the same stories in the usual version are more focused on women's experiences and women's image which is so interesting and profoundly resonating so you know a lot of these women characters were written in a more kind of like fierce roles to inspire these women so i think that there are different components to new shoe that is both secret and also public in certain ways and but like how do we taking the the legacy and the message as as what it is and you know taking the private part so that we can internalize it but taking the public part so we can also share and speaking of taking elements of both of the public and the private, we have seen in the film ways in which technology has really taken Nushu into a new direction through the commodification of, of this form. But I'm wondering if you think that as we move into the future, is there a place for technology in the preservation of this language? whatever form that it's going to be sitting on is less relevant here, whether I think we can take it as something that continuing to help us deliver ourselves in a way that we want to and as a community, as a sisterhood. And I think those are things that's more fundamental. To me, Yushu is a few things. Yushu is a way for us and a tool for us to to share our vulnerabilities, to be our true self. And I think that, you know, more importantly or more urgently than ever that we need that. Because, you know, like even compared to women in those old days, we are actually being asked to fulfill even more roles, um, you know. <laughs> and I think that kind of pressure for us kind of suppress us to be vulnerable, to say that 
we're enough. You know, this is enough for us, and we can be whoever we wanted to be, and we don't have to, you know, fulfill all these, you know, expectations that you know the society kind of project on us. And usually, is such a space that will allow us to be vulnerable. And I think that's, you know, like in a lot of societies, and then they see women who are like. Talking about their sufferings, talking about you know they're not able to take on that many roles as weak, but I don't see it that way. And I think that for us to express our honesty is the the first, is very much the most important first step that a lot of us dare not to take to honor who we really are. And that's that's the very first thing. And then also to embrace the sisterhood. And I think that you know. The more that we have that kind of safe safe space to share and to to talk, and then to have、mm-hmm. that kind of sisterhood, the more power it will be created、mm-hmm. from within, and the resilience and the strength is going to come out from within, and that's the power that's you know is the most impactful power. I I see it in 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 that way. So so those are all like things、uh, that's like true beauty of Yushu,、mm-hmm. and I think that、um, whether it's through. Social media, I don't know. It's through like text. I, I mean, technology, whatever. But I don't think that's that's mo- most you know relevant、uh, factor here. The most relevant factor is that we have that kind of space. And I think that that space is really beautifully articulated throughout the film. You know, with your two protagonists, who it, you know, it seems like when they're they're able to you know really internalize or embody what Nushu is, then they are able to you know, in addition to kind of engaging in this character arc, they're really able to find themselves in a way. I think find freedom. I think you know, be able to make decisions for them. Themselves and, and ultimately live the lives that they want to lead. Absolutely, I I live in New York. So when we had theatrical release in New York,、uh, there are a lot of moms that from my daughter's school who came out to watch the film. And the first thing all of them say after they watch the film is, "Let's get the dads to watch this film." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know I found the film to be very relatable. Um, you know, as a woman, and also as a you know someone who works full time and is a mom, you know, I I find you know like the scene with、um, Simu and she was talking with her friends and getting their advice on her relationship and you know should she really go forward with this relationship and you know I I also felt emotional you know when those women were speaking because you know I think we we can all relate to that feeling of you know do I have the right balance. You know, between my career and you know my identity as a mother, and and how do I do all the things, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, this film was made、uh, and filmed by two male cinematographers.、Um, I was trying to find female cinematographers in China, but I couldn't find. Um, them. So we had two amazing male cinematographers. You know, at the beginning, I was kind of resistant to that kind of idea, but. And in the end, I think it was so important to have the conversation with men during the production, in the creative process,、um, because you know, like every day after we film, we kind of develop this routine of my cinematographer will go back to the hotel with me, and we'll just load all the footage and we'll watch everything together, and we'll be talking about each scene, of how he sees it, how I see it as a woman, and we talk about it, you know, like. We talk about where the differences is and why is that, and how do we look at these things. 
So after, I think that I also got a lot. He also got a lot. And after a few trips, I think we're completely in sync. And I could even send him on, on set without me, which is, you know, that shows the kind of like trust and also the relationship and understanding that we give to each other. And during the production, towards the end of a post-production, he actually had a daughter too. He became a dad. And he said it completely changed his way of flattering his daughter. Mm -hmm. And I hope that, you know, it's kind of the same thing. And, you know, like, I think that it also has an effect as well of the film because at the beginning he was really concerned that I'm going to turn into a feminist because he's you know from China and the Chinese man and I'm like oh don't you know I'm kind of, I'm kind of already are um, but after watching the film I think that he understand more from my perspective and and we start to have more conversations about you know like family duties and then you know where do I see that you know it's it's kind of becoming unbearable for a woman. So like things like that, that it's it's like harder to talk about it before and it become a lot easier after. Mm-hmm. We had one recent screenings in upstate New York, which is really interesting. And, and it was in Westchester. And I was thinking that, you know, how could people there relate to the film? I was having question mark. And at the end, I think all the audience was so engaged in it. And then I remember there was one couple who came to me and the man was saying that how the film make him think a lot about his own perceptions about as a man and as a husband. And I just remember his wife came to me. He said, you just gave me the best uh, gift ever. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really emotional. Yeah. And I, you know, like, I hope that it does more for more more i mean not just for 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 women but also for men mm-hmm. as well that so we can at least have some some place to start to have a conversation mm-hmm. and perhaps maybe that's also the power of new shoe right that exactly she was able to transcend you know culture region boundary it's it's actually true too like the new shoe you know in itself the culture along with it kind of changed the narrative even in the old days as well because um i said a couple of times that you know like in english you have the word for gentleman and mm-hmm. in that area women who practice yushu are called gentle women mm. even by men so it just shows that they gain more respect mm-hmm. um you know even from men so mm-hmm. yeah i i think the film can help men understand the plight of women better. I hope more men will watch it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> we have been having a lot of Chinese audiences outside of China. And uh, I've had a lot of Chinese women came to me and cry and say that this film has to be seen in China. So I mean, I, I can see why, because I mean, I kind of made this film from my own heart and because I'm part of them. Um, along with the release of the film, we have been thinking a lot about how can we use the film to lift up a woman and to also um, kind of create impact, um, you know, in different communities, in different even countries for women to to embrace more of their sisterhood. So um, along with the release of the film, we have been curating a monthly Instagram live series by having a conversation between me and a female artist using their artwork to elevate women's experiences to talk about suppression and oppression and also using their artwork to to elevate and inspire other women so every month we have been having a conversation with an artist and along the way we have opened a call that's on our website um, that you can see under virtual 
gallery that you can see that we open a call for all women. They don't even have to have sort of like artistic background to create any kind of artwork, you know, to express themselves in a way that they otherwise dare not to. And we will curate all the submissions um, in the spring this year. And we're going to put together a virtual gallery that celebrate all the work from the women. Um, and anybody with their cell phone can access to the virtual gallery. And behind each piece that we curated, you will hear the women's voices of why they create a work. Oh, I'm really excited to learn more about that. And I, I, I think that we'll be sure to post information about those lives, um, as well as more information about the, the virtual gallery as well. The call for artists, women artists too, will definitely spread the word about that. Violet, thank you so much for introducing Nushu to us. You know, this was something that Courtney and I had not heard of, but, you know, I think we're both thrilled to be able to talk about Nushu with you and then hopefully disseminate this to, to other folks who also might not otherwise have the opportunity to learn. And then they can also be directed to the film. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Of the Earth. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share with your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Buzzsprout. Please consider supporting us on Patreon, linked in our episode notes. Patreon members will receive special offers and bonus content. We are Of the Earth Podcast.